0: How are you able to punch back?
1: I mean, our team's relentless. Uh, we had great performances uh, by Austin Grouse on the mound, and uh, our offense just keeps going. We pass it along, one guy to the next guy. If we had 19 hits yesterday, we had another 19 today. The Bulls offense is uh, its bar to none. We compete, and uh, that's what we do. We get things rolling, we pass to the next guy. Line drive by Betancourt. That ball's hit well to left center field. It's got some carry. It's gone, Rafael Betancourt. Lines that ball. Oh, Grouse catches it. That was good defense. One and two to Monke. Oh, and he smashes that ball. The wind could help in this situation. Plumley is so fast, but he's not going to get there. He's start off the eighth. Oh, Marcus Rodell starts and in style lines it deep to right. And that is out of here. Five in the ninth. And that is a chopper that scoops through the middle. Two runs will score. It's nine to seven. Rosenblum having a day. Down two. Mayo lines that one, and that could get down. It does. They're going to go ahead and send home the next run, and it's 9-8. Rodell scores easily. And this is unbelievable. Five straight hits for the Bulls. Tied now. Eric Snow lines it. Hits the first base bag. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily. And it's 10-9. Eric Snow whacked it off the first base bag. The huge RBI knock. He's going from <laughs> first, Brutcher drives it through the right side of the infield. Here's another run for you. An RBI single. And it's 11-9. Two away. Curveball over to second base. Bobby Boser fields it. Throws to first and the Bulls win
2: it. Hi, everybody. This is your host, Mark Giardino. Uh, we have a great episode ahead for you today. But before we get into that, just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's been listening to us all offseason. season. Uh, Our number of listeners has really been growing over the past year, and we really appreciate it. Just as a reminder, we have our first tailgate of the the season coming up this Saturday for the 4 p.m. game against Louisville. Uh, We'll be setting up a tailgate around 1 p.m., I'll be posting more details about the location on social media so be sure to follow us at usf baseball fans on twitter and instagram both but yeah if you're going to be at the game on saturday definitely try to stop by our tailgate say hello Uh, if you want to hang out longer or just stop by for a little bit either way we'd love to meet our listeners if you'd like to contribute to bring something to the tailgate uh, you can email me at usfbaseballfans at gmail.com what you'd like to bring, or if you'd like to chip in for our pizza order, um, you can also send me an email saying that you'd like to do that, and I'll send you my Venmo. But yeah, without further ado, uh, let's get into today's show. Hey, welcome to this edition of the It's Brewing at McEwen podcast. I'm here with two of my co-hosts this week, uh, Adam Cartwright and Matthew Giardino. Um, so this is the first uh, podcast of the actually the regular season with the season starting uh, this Friday with the USF baseball invitational hosting three different schools uh, starting off with the UConn on Friday night, Louisville on Saturday, and uh, on Sunday playing against Indiana State. Um, so this season we're we're trying to record twice per week um, put out kind of just current um you know thoughtful uh frequent episodes um just kind of the the earlier in the week will be more like reacting to uh the, the weekend series and looking ahead to the midweek and then later in the week would be reacting to the midweeks and looking at that uh current weekend's uh schedule coming up so that's kind of what we're looking to do and um So today's episode, we're going to kind of break it into three parts. Uh, The first thing we wanted to talk about was just with the season coming up and the Bulls in a conference that has five new teams, uh, 10 teams in total, uh, we wanted to kind of do a little preview of the American Athletic Conference from a perspective of, uh, you know, some of the teams that are favored, some of the players that stand out. And then uh, the next segment will be with Matthew. He's going to kind of talk about some of the things that he's looking to see opening weekend out of the Bulls. And then I'll finish it off with a segment kind of just looking at uh, these other teams uh, that we're playing against in opening weekend and seeing a little scouting report on them. So uh, with that, um, I'll kick it over to Adam to kind of get us started talking about some American Athletic Conference
3: Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Happy baseball season, right? Finally here. Uh, Just looking at the American Athletic Conference, uh, we had the preseason polls kind of get released. You saw East Carolina uh, sit on top. Uh, They received nine votes. Uh, I don't think you can uh, really debate that they're kind of the the best team coming into this conference just based on what they've done and what they're bringing back. Um, However, uh, interesting note: the only other first place vote did did come to USF. So someone someone is looking at our our lineup and thinking that there's something there. Um, I'm going to happen to agree with that that one person as well. Um, but I thought also interesting about our as you looked at those polls uh, numbers two, three, and four on that list was Charlotte, UTSA, and Florida Atlantic, and that's three of those teams that you talked about in the intro as as uh, new teams to the conference. Um, I'm not so sure if Charlotte is the second best team in this conference. They uh, they lost Cam Fisher last year, who hit 30 home runs in college football, which is, or I'm sorry, college baseball, uh, which is absolutely insane. Uh, but if you look at their lineup from a broader perspective, you know, they're going to lose four of their top five hitters uh, in terms of RBI, so that might be a little a little tough to replace. Um Speaking of just kind of losing some production, the, the transfer market kind of hit this conference, I think, kind of hard. Uh, you saw teams like Wichita State had a lot of transfers. Uh, a lot of teams are maybe trying to look for uh, to replace some production because of losing their top two or three hitters uh, to the SEC in particular. It felt like there was a, a pipeline there. Um, so I think it could be interesting with a lot of teams with some question marks. I think when you look at uh, this statistics from last season, you see a lot of teams that – I'm sorry, a lot of players from teams that aren't necessarily here anymore. Um, they transferred out. They're on a team that's not in the conference anymore, or they're USF Bulls. So, uh, again, feeling pretty good about some of the hitters coming back to the Bulls just just based on some of that. But uh, what do you guys think when you, when you see the polls uh, initially?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just going to mention about how we got to see Florida Atlantic last year in person, and about how their lineup is extremely, you know, potent and stuff. But I'm pretty sure yeah. that they lost the guy in the first round, or maybe second round at latest. Uh, uh, was it January or something? Uh, yeah, he he did. They lost him to
3: the first round. What did I have on them?
2: Oh yeah, Nolan Shawna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, yeah, in- he actually ended up playing in the regular season for the Angels, which is crazy.
3: They're actually another one that lost, like, outside of him. I think they lost, like, their number two and three hitters to transfers to the SEC. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It happened a lot. Like, when I was looking, I was like, oh, who are the best hitters? I was like, oh, he's at Georgia. Oh, he's at Missouri. Oh, he's at Ole Miss. like,
2: oh. That was for FAU? Uh, That
3: was for, like, around the conference. Oh, around the conference.
2: Everywhere. But, yeah, FAU
3: particularly had two. I think one went to Missouri and one went to Ole Miss. Wow. Yeah. We're uh, we're pretty
0: lucky then. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: All right. Now looking at uh, some potential American Athletic Conference kind of player and pitcher of the year candidates. Um, real quick, we'll talk about some of the guys from USF. Which I mean, you, if you're listening to the show, you've heard us talk about them here in the recent uh, recent past. Uh, but my first one I'll talk about is uh, Bobby Bozer. Uh, I think he was recently kind of named as a as a watch list for for being someone to keep an eye on in terms of these postseason awards but he's really just your prototypical just power speed threat uh really athletic he's going to play second base uh so he's going to play in a, in, a, in a defensive position that will let him kind of highlight that um, could be a 20 home run guy uh, if he really has a, a has an on year uh that's kind of the ceiling that you would see there and if he kind of reaches that uh you would you know, obviously see him in that in that player of the year conversation next uh eric snow uh, defensive Player of the Year, so he's kind of going to be looked at kind of uh, as a as a really good defensive player. But he also kind of brings that that power speed uh, threat, maybe more speed than power. He's going to hit six home runs. I think he could probably get that into the double digits. But he also hit about four fifty uh, or, or over that last season. So uh, really, a guy that you know has a really good couple months. Maybe he's he's flirting with that four hundred number uh, at, in terms of batting average. Um, so again, so numbers like that might might really get him some attention. Yeah, and, and then uh, next I will look at my personal favorite is uh, is Drew Brecher. Uh, we, we've talked about him in the past and, and kind of what he could do in terms of the historical uh, significance the USF uh, where he could sit in the home runs. Uh, you know, if if he does that, if he has that year again, we talked about it with both. If somebody if somebody kind of has that type of year uh, that we think they could have, uh, they're going to be in that conversation. Uh, one one dark horse candidate I want to talk about is Rafael Betancourt. Uh He he didn't get to play in the fall because he was injured, uh, and he didn't play all of last season. Had to work his way into the lineup. But when he was in the lineup, you really saw he really saw the, the foundation of a good of a good hitter. Uh, so you really think maybe there's a year there that he kind of projects or uh, you know gets bigger, uh, and you can see you could project him maybe having one of those years that we talked about with with Bowser and Brutcher. Uh So just someone to keep an eye on. Um, Around the uh, American Athletic Conference, ECU is going to have Jacob Starling. He hit over three hundred last year, uh, double digit home runs. Going to going to bring that back uh, and hopefully try to. The Pirates are hoping that he's going to to lead that lineup, uh, so he's one to really keep an eye on. Uh, another a name that I've seen kind of project as a as you know the preseason uh, player of the year is going to be Teo Banks out of Tulane. Uh, kind of kind of dabbled in being a two way player, but I think maybe. We'll see him kind of just be an outfielder now. Hit 18 home runs last season uh, while hitting over 300, so you can see that contact to power ratio is there. Uh, again, the Green Wave will look for him to have that big year and uh, really a name to watch out for when they when we see them. Uh, and then finally, uh, dark horse would be Kite McDonald from Wichita State. Uh, Wichita State was one of those teams that saw a lot of transfers. Uh, he's kind of one of those one of those guys that kind of stuck around. Uh, you may see him take a, a bigger step forward and try and lead that team uh, as they go forward. Um, Any thoughts on on the players, guys, before we go to the pitches?
2: Yeah, I think that um, any of our guys from the Bulls that you mentioned has a legitimate chance uh, to get that award. And I think part of it, too, is to help you win that award is being on a good team. I feel like your team finishes like – ideally first place or top yeah. two or three you usually see the winners of those awards come from that mm-hmm. um I think for Bobby Bowser I think he just replicates and slightly exceeds what he did last year um he's got a good chance obviously drew butcher would have to kind of ramp it up production wise from what he did last year but as you mentioned and we we know that there's a lot of uh you know things that he he could potentially accomplish uh, if he does have that breakout year from a a USF record perspective, single season, career-long, home run leader, things like that that are definitely. And then obviously Eric Snow, I mean, he's the only – well, actually him and Raphael Betancourt were talking about them as potential player of the year candidates, and they're only sophomores, and they both produced at a really high level as true freshmen – um, obviously Eric Snow's already gotten some great accolades, you know, um, pre conference and, but you're right. Raphael Bedencourt kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Um, even though he had an extremely productive, uh, freshman year, but I think for Raphael Bencourt to like take the next step, I feel is if he could show just a little more, uh, in-game power, but towards the end of right the season last year he actually did start to show that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think obviously he's got the frame and the the strength where that certainly seems like it's going to come down the pipeline pretty soon. Um so I think yeah any of those and then obviously there's other position players on our roster that are capable of having big years. I mean Ben Rosenblum is a fifth year senior that really came out hot uh towards the end of last year. Uh Jackson Mayos almost hit 10 home runs as a freshman. So now he's a junior, who knows what he could do. Um, and even guys like John Montez, um, you know, he started, uh, last year with, with us extremely hot. Um, you know, he was like our leading hitter for like the first month or so of the season. So if he, uh, if he gets back to his form, um, you know, he's some, he's somebody to keep an eye on as well. And he's got a lot of pop that plays in the game. So, yeah, we have a lot of contenders for that. But um, conference-wise, uh, Tao Banks, is you said, from Tulane, he's a guy that was really productive as a freshman and, and still I think he's going to be a junior now, I want to say. Um, yeah. So, and Jacob Starling is a pretty clutch player for ECU. I remember uh, in the, I want to say, Super Regional against Texas a couple years ago, he hit like some crazy, like I don't know if it was a walk off or go ahead, but mm-hmm. yeah, that place ECU was uh was rocking. He's not he's not a big guy either. He's he's a he's like an Altuve kind of, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a good player. So a lot of good, a lot of talent in the AAC to watch out for. But um, yeah, you can kick it to the pitchers. Oh yeah, I was gonna
0: add, I was actually gonna add on to that as well. I I think kind of going back to what something you said, Mark is. You know, if you get top three in conference, a lot of those awards will naturally fall their way. You know, to your team, and I think with our team and the depth that we have, especially on offense, that you know, come the end of the year, if we're at the top of the standings, I think you know we have a lot of different guys on the roster right now that you know could find themselves find themselves on first team, second team, third team, or honorable mention, um, just based off of. Talent and, and depth alone, I think we can get a significant people on a postseason award.
3: Absolutely. Just to kind of echo what you guys are saying, just the protection in the lineup when you have guys that can hit behind you and guys that can hit in front of you, it really goes a long way. um but Yeah, moving on to the pitchers. Uh, I'll start with USF. I think our leading candidate for pitcher of the year has got to be Siebert. Uh, Really came on at the end of the season and just showed a lot of consistency on the mound. Uh, we heard Coach Mole talk about in our previous uh, uh, podcast that he had kind of made a lot of strides physically, uh, which is kind of where he that's where he needed to make the strides. I think he kind of had everything he needed on the mound. He just needed to improve the the machine that's that's up there working it. And um, if he did that, and he and he really makes those those physical uh, strides that Coach Mole talked about. I could, we we could see a really big year uh, from Siebert uh at a program that is used to seeing pitchers have really good years um in the past. And so uh again just uh, he's he's the name I'm looking for on looking at on our our staff. Uh briefly just around the conference I think the hands down favorite uh is going to come from ECU with Trey Savage. Um uh, we got to see him in person uh last season. Uh he pitched four innings, gave up one run and three hits. Uh, I do want to point out that that one run was a bomb by Drew Brutcher. So we, we might have a little advantage there. But uh, he, Yusevige, is going to be a problem uh, anytime he takes them out. Uh, D1 baseball has him ranked as the number three starting pitcher in the country. Uh, I actually think his last year numbers were better than the AAC pitcher of the year. Uh, in the end, he ended up with a, a couple less strikeouts, but again, something happened at the end of the year and he was kind of what seemed like an innings limit. I don't know if it was injury or what was going on, but I don't know. I just, I, I not my, not my battle. So I don't know what was going on, but end of the day, he, he's going to be a real problem. Uh Moving on to the next one, uh, Parker Smith out of Rice. Uh, really big kid, 6'4", 230, uh, ranked 33rd starting pitcher out of D1 baseball. Uh, had a pretty decent season last year, 3.58 ERA and 88 innings, uh, coming in as a first-team conference USA. So He's going to be one of these new guys that we don't really know much about. Um, and then we're going to have to kind of see how it goes. But, again, he's going to come in with a lot of talent. Uh, and then Cameron Henson out of Charlotte, um, ranked 71 starting pitcher, uh, fifth year senior, a lot of experience. Was their Saturday guy last year? It's gonna step into the Friday role uh, this year. So they're gonna really hope that he he kind of has a lot of production. Because like I mentioned, they're gonna lose a a huge can't mention it enough – can a huge hole in their lineup uh, with a guy that can hit 30 home runs. They're gonna need somebody on the mound to maybe try to curb uh, that 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 production on you know on the defensive side. Uh, but yeah, those are my guys that I'm looking at on the mound. Is uh, you guys uh, have any thoughts on those?
2: Yeah, I would say uh, Trey Savage. Obviously, um, I remember a couple years ago, I think he was like a high leverage bullpen pitcher, and he's like gradually gotten a he's evolved into a starting pitcher now. Um, and yeah, I mean he's nasty. I mean, really high spin rate, good, velo- great velocity. Um, but uh, he'll he'll be obviously interesting to monitor. And then yeah, the new guys. Uh, like a guy from Rice or a guy from Charlotte, obviously we we'd never seen seen him really before. Um, but if you have a, if you have a good track record of production in the conference USA, like like those guys did, and yeah, I mean that's going to translate to the American Conference because I think RPI wise our conferences were very similar in ranking last year. So I mean these guys can clear, clearly play at a high level. So. Um, yeah, I think the injection of uh, new teams and talent in the conference is going to be a great challenge for for our team and our guys. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah.
3: And just an interesting note for USF on that, just speaking of these pitchers, uh, you know, we played FAU last season. I think we played FAU over 10 times here in the recent uh, you know, recent past. But outside of FAU, we've only really played Charlotte, I think, one time in 2022 in an eight-inning game, that I'm thinking got cut short because of weather
2: no so, I, I you know what actually it? happened the the two outfielders on charlotte collided and uh they oh. had, yeah they they ended up being okay but it was okay. like i think it was um, like medically okay like they, they just wanted to uh i remember being there and it was like it was a little wow. weird but yeah, yeah i think they ended up being all right but it was, it was a little scary at the moment yeah
0: that
3: is, that's crazy but i mean you think about it, like that's the only game i think that, that I can tell, you know, that between the rest of the newcomers outside of FAU that, that USF has played. So there's going to be a lot of, of kind of new looks and fresh. Hopefully it will translate into some exciting baseball, I guess, is the point I'm trying to get at. But it's going to be it's going to be a lot of new.
2: For sure. For sure. I think that's a good, uh good overview of what we're looking at for the American Athletic Conference. um So now we want to kind of kick it, kick it to thinking about opening weekend. And thinking about um, what do we want to, what are we looking for uh, from the Bulls, you know, based on last year, based on our conversation with Coach Mole, based on what we saw in the fall. Um, Matt, I'll kick it to you, you know, what what are you looking for from the Bulls this weekend?
0: Yeah, I'll kind of do this in two parts. And first part, obviously, um, I think there's a lot of improvement that we're hoping to see from last year's uh, pitching staff and particularly, I, I think, the main focus and where we'll see some early success will be, you know, the control that our pitchers have been able to work on over the off season. Uh, I was looking at some stats from last year's pitching staff and, you know, we were basically at a, you know, two to, it was a basically a two flat strikeout to walk ratio. And uh that did slightly get better as conference went on. Uh we were able to get it up to about two point one seven. But I think uh in order for our starters to go deep in games, you know, we we really need to get that to, you know, realistically, three to one strikeout to walk ratio um across the board for, you know, not only the the starters to go deep in games, but also to really make sure that our our bullpen stays fresh throughout the series, throughout, you know, the whole week and stuff. Um, so I, I think that's the main thing that I want to see. And I think that we've brought in a lot of guys that, you know, have proven in the past that, you know, their their control is their specialty, especially when you look at Dominic Madonna and, uh, you know, a couple other transfers as well that we got. So I, I think that's going to be a really exciting aspect of it. And, you know, you pair that with, uh, Billy Moore, you know, calling pitches. I, I think that will be a really crucial part of it as well, just to to overall get that that momentum going and get our stars deep into games. Um, you know, I, I would like to see starters go, you know, fifteen to twenty innings. Um, you know, not maybe not twenty innings, but you know, somewhere between fifteen and twenty innings over the three game series. Um, you know. Obviously you want to see what your relievers can do as well. but I think if we can get 15 to 20 uh solid innings out of our starters in the opening weekend, you know that will that'll set up some confidence going into later series as well um kind of cementing a, a solid rotation.
2: yeah that's a that's a good point Matt. I think I think honestly if I had to pick one thing that I'm looking for uh, this weekend as well, I would say I would say I'm looking for improvement in the pitching staff. And just kind of like you said, one one aspect of that is being able to get our starting pitchers to go deeper into games, and being able to allow the relief pitchers to, you know, play a true reliever role or true you know bridge in the sixth and seventh, set up in the eighth, closer in the ninth. Obviously, that's a that's a perfect world, but you want to you want to aim for that. You know, the the great teams out there that. Are at the level that we want to be at. They they have a lot of good structure like that. Their their starters do go deep. And you know they have guys in in, in defined roles. And um in order to allow guys to have consistent roles you got to have consistent starting pitching. So um yeah I'm, and I think uh for that for sure. Uh, yeah and I,
0: I think you saw you know Hunter Mink and Jack siebert get deeper into games as the season went on last year and I'm looking for a continuation of that, you know, consistently going six or seven innings, and I think a lot of times they were pretty efficient in doing that as well. And um, you know, bringing in a gun, a, a guy like uh, Madonna into the rotation, who's also you know used to going deep in games, I I think that will be a, a good relief on the rest of the staff. And I think you know, a big part of that too is going to be Lawson Gailey. You know, we we talked about it a lot, but. You know, you'd go out there five innings and pitch 55 pitches, you know, come out clean. Uh, you know, I, I think he could be a big contributing factor in, in overall giving the pitching staff a lot of confidence and, and giving them a lot of rest, too.
2: For sure. Adam, is there anything that you're in particular looking for?
3: Yeah, I think it's just kind of like what you guys talked about starting pitching. But I'm just going to just kind of hope that Coach mole is able to just stay on script. You know, I don't I don't know what his plans are for the starters, if he's going to want them to go really deep, or if he's going to kind of want to pitch control here in this early tournament. But you just want him to have that ability to control when he's going to the bullpen. You don't want to see it go out there and really kind of fall off the wagon in the first couple of innings. And now we're scrambling to try to get us back on that script. You want him to be able to just kind of stay in his plan. If he if he's planning on throwing three arms tonight, we want to see three arms that night type of thing. Now, obviously we're not going to know what that is, but you can see when uh, when a when a when a coach is kind of, going out there under a controlled situation versus going out there trying to try to stop the you know, stop the bleeding if you will. So again, just just staying being able to stay on that script is kind of what I'm looking for at this early tournament.
0: And I think too one one thing that's gonna just benefit the staff overall is, you know, you got Chandler Dorsey and you got Riley Skeen and they both have a year division one baseball under their belt now. Um, so, you know, they're they're really looking to lock down the later innings of the ball game.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely some good, clearly defined uh, pitchers that you can hand the ball to late. I think even Peyton Jula will, will get some consideration for that role. Uh, being a fifth year senior that has some swing and miss stuff, um, I think he'll get some consideration for those opportunities as well. Um, but yeah, there's some really solid arms on the back end. Um, I'm and I'm really interested to see an opening weekend if we get to see Joey Bellini, who was a, a really impressive freshman who missed all of his sophomore year uh because of Tommy John surgery. And I'm I'm excited to see him finally come back to the mound. And um, he's really gonna be important for us this year because he is one of only two healthy left-handed pitchers that we have right now, along with Kyle Scrape, the transfer from Old Dominion. And they those two lefties, they're a little different in style. I mean, obviously Joey's kind of like a, he's, he's got a really good power and um, he's, he's great, got great mound presence and powerful pitcher and Kyle scrape from what I saw him pitch in the fall. He, he's really gonna locate As long as he stays ahead in the count, um, he's, he can do what he wants. Um, he doesn't have, you know, blow away crazy uh, velocity, but he does have good movement and, good location. And I think that could really serve him well, especially from the left side, left-hand side of the, of the mound. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the main thing we're looking for is pitching. And then the last thing I would say is just, we obviously want to see the, the batting order live up to the billing. You know, they've gotten a lot of um, recognition already guys getting pre- all preseason, all conference and guys that we're talking about as possible contenders for player of the year. So uh just looking for them to live up to the hype and I, I'm pretty sure that they will.
0: Yeah, I think I think another thing uh I really want to see this upcoming weekend too is to continue to work on um you know getting better at defense last year. We were awesome. But as we all know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, things weren't all that great and uh we made a lot of strides last season, but I would really like to see us continue to improve on that. Um you know, I, I think we have a lot of guys that know exactly what positions they're going to be in this year. Um, but overall, you know, having the returning defensive player of the year that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing that being a big part of the the equation of success this year as well.
3: Yeah, and I, you know, one last thing I want to talk about. I'm looking forward to is uh, Coach Mo talked about how he's going to expect a more aggressive style of offense uh in, in this season and so we've got some athletic guys that can run uh and so i'm waiting to see what eric and snow can do when he gets the green light when bobby Bowser gets the green light uh I'm, there's others that i'm not naming off right now but when we start giving guys the green light uh well, what's that going to do with the offense and how exciting is that going to be
0: yeah so not not only are the brewing crew going to be putting pressure on the pitchers, but so are the, uh, the base runners on the base paths. Absolutely.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good, good, good look ahead to the weekend from a, from a perspective of, you know, what we're looking for from our, from our guys. Um, But I'll, I'll kind of close off the show just with a little preview of uh, the three teams that are coming in this weekend. Uh, It's pretty unique to get to play three different teams in, in one weekend and, not only that, they're they're really solid clubs. I mean, Friday night to start the season, you're going up against UConn, who's coming off of uh, a season in which they won 44 games. Um, I, I read a little bit about them. They, apparently they kind of really did that on the strength of their batting order. Um, the pitching was pretty good, but they really ripped the cover off the ball last year, but they lost three out of their top four hitters from a, from a hits standpoint. Um, they do return a uh, couple of their best offensive weapons. Uh, Jake Studley, a right fielder, and Luke Broodhorst, the uh, infielder who had 14 home runs last year. Um, so they do have still a couple of key offensive pieces, but they do have a lot of holes to fill in their lineup. And then from a pitching standpoint, I think because it's Friday night, we're obviously going to see their ace pitcher, which is Stephen Quigley, who's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, He's a senior. His fastball is between 92 and 94. He's got an effective slider between 82 to 85 miles an hour. Uh, Like I said, he's a veteran, and we're likely to see him on Friday night. So that'll be interesting. Uh, UConn also lost their closer last year who had 11 saves to graduation. um, So they'll have some holes to fill up in their bullpen as well. But, again, a really solid program that has made it to five straight regionals. And they made it to two super regionals since 2010. So, really solid club. That coach has been there for a long time and uh, he's pretty consistent. So, then on Saturday, uh, we're playing against Louisville uh, from the ACC. Um, They had a little bit of a down year last season. They were 10 and 20 in the ACC, but they were still 31 and 24 overall. Um, And they believe they lost uh, some. Some names on the on the mound from the starting rotation, um, and we're going to be seeing them on Saturday. So we're probably going to see their second pitcher. Uh, not really sure who that's actually going to be right now. I think they have a ace that's pretty clearly defined for Friday night, but I think that their weekend spots are kind of up for grabs. Uh, one contender for that is a a left-handed pitcher that transferred from right state. It's going to be his first year with Louisville. He had a three ERA for them last year and for Rice State and a ten and one record as a uh, starting pitcher. But obviously the whatever league that is, Horizon League, Valley Leagues, not the same level as the ACC, but still obviously, obviously a good pitcher. Um, same as Silas Gongora, and then also they they got a 50 year senior transfer from Division Three, um, who apparently is the front runner for their closer role he throws about 90 miles an hour and he had insane statistics in division three baseball, but uh, they think he could be effective at the D one level. Cause he's got a lot of movement on his pitches and that's Jake Caraba. And so he's apparently the front runner for their closer role. But I think as a team, um, they, they have a pretty veteran lineup. They have, they do return a lot of their hitters from last year. I think, I think for them, they, they're, they're more of their question marks appear to be on the mound so it'll be interesting to see how their Saturday pitching rotations able to uh, able to hold up and then the the last team we're facing on Sunday, Indiana State. Um, they're coming off the best year in their school's history, uh, where they made it to a super regional and they were actually uh, in line to host that super regional. But due to other events on campus, I think it was the Special Olympics of Indiana. They weren't able to host it there, but they still played in the Super Regional and did really well. Um, forgot who they lost to, but they they made it really competitive for sure. Um, was it Texas? Uh, what well, say it was? Oh, TCU. It was TCU. Yes, it was the Horn Frogs. Yeah, they went to TCU. Um, but yeah, that was competitive. Um, it was it was a team from Texas. <laughs> um but uh but yeah they um they apparently have lost all three of their weekend pitchers from last year all three starting weekend pitchers uh so they they have a a lot of holes to fill themselves to to try to replicate the best season in school history um uh, there is one guy that uh really stands out from their team he's a left-handed pitcher jared spencer um scouts are saying that he and this is very high praise because They're saying this guy is a clone of Josh Hader. He's a lefty that throws a 94 to 97 mile per hour fastball and mid-80s slider from a low slot. Um, And they're actually thinking that even though he was a closer last year, he may become a starting pitcher because obviously they lost their three best starting pitchers. Um, But yeah, Jared Spencer, he's got the long flow hair going on. Um, You'll know him
3: when you see him. That's really tough because that 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 arm angle with that action's gonna be really tough on some of our, our lefties, which is some of the better hitters in our lineup. That's, yeah, you know.
2: I'm I'm hoping that that Jared Spencer uh is their Friday night starter and we don't even have to see him. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but I mean he's really like the main guy that stands out from their team. I think the rest, they're really just trying to uh, you know, fill some of the holes from last year. But uh But yeah, that is uh kind of our look ahead. Um, to the upcoming weekends and uh, that's all.